number of versions of the end times circulating in the church these days. You know, I suppose the bad news is there's so many opinions of what lies ahead, many are confused and are throwing their hands in the air and giving up. Well, there's good news. The good news is there's a growing company of young believers who are going headlong into the prophetic scriptures so they might become a voice in the earth in the critical days ahead. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. In Matthew 24, Jesus found himself answering questions from a group of uh, young adults, Jewish men who were versed in the Hebrew scriptures a generation that grew up in temple worship but are now getting a download from a man they are coming to know as the Messiah. I mean, he's like teaching things little considered by the rabbis of their day, and and that's left these boys with a ton of questions. Well, let's see if Jesus cleared the air a bit by pointing to events that would soon take place in a great Roman invasion about 40 years down the road, 70 A.D., a holocaust that would kill a million Jews and scatter the rest throughout the nations. It's called the Great Diaspora. But much more than that, Jesus, in the same breath, was addressing a much future holocaust that would come a couple thousand years later and would, would bring heaven to earth, a new Eden, and, and rule and reign with the rabbi of all rabbis, Jesus of Nazareth, for a thousand years. Needless to say, these youngsters likely uh, had some puzzled looks on their faces and serious questions to ask, starting with, when will all these things take place, and what will be the sign of your coming? Jesus began by first pointing to a time these young disciples might have been somewhat familiar with, the time of Jacob's trouble in the book of Jeremiah. We know it as the Great Tribulation. The disciples knew the destruction of Jerusalem was synonymous with the end of the age. So Jesus' statement about the destruction of the temple linked the two issues inseparably in the Jewish mind. In verses 4 through 14, Jesus explained the first stage of this end-time drama, the beginning of the birth pains. We've talked about that. Now he turns to the prophetic signs that point to the beginning and the end of the Great Tribulation. So let's begin at the beginning. Matthew twenty four fifteen. We've discussed this many times. These are the words of Jesus. When you see, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Just plain logic shows us that for, for an abomination of desolation to take place in a temple, there must first be a temple. And with a new third temple, it stands to reason there will be the inauguration of animal sacrifices. You, you remember those, those red heifers recently delivered to Israel? But it also and we believe more importantly, it marks the beginning of the most important prophetic event that sheds light on timing indicators leading to Jesus' return. Now, I know that's a bold statement to make, but the Bible's clear. That's what's coming. There is an interpretive key here, though, and the sign of the sacrifice is that key. 
Now, we're going to take that up in more detail in a future episode, a near future episode. But but first, we want to address what Jesus is addressing with his disciples about the critical must events that will precede his return. Some very, very important information. Of course, the trigger event is the abomination of desolation. When this charismatic proponent of peace is miraculously restored to life, after suffering a mortal wound. We see that in Revelation chapter 13. And, and now he's the full incarnation of Satan himself. No longer the man of peace and security, but now the end of the age, last chance, world wrecker, the much prophesied Antichrist. Paul and John, both of them, showed some of the extraordinary characteristics of this man. Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the, the man of sin, the Antichrist, verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. In Revelation chapter 13, John says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life. Now, let me make something really clear here. The abomination of desolation is just the beginning point for the Great Tribulation, an abomination that demonstrates the mark and the image of the beast. The image of the beast is one of the most significant prophetic signs in the end times. People talk about it all the time. Many worry they'll accidentally take the mark. Listen, if you read Revelation chapter 13, I promise you'll not be subject to an accident. John emphasized this beast 10 times, including Revelation 19.20. Listen to this. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast into the lake of fire, burning fire with brimstone. That's their ultimate future and their final destiny. And, of course, what we've stated so many times in the past, Jerusalem will be the epicenter for the Great Tribulation. Israel's always at the center of God's righteous judgments. Matthew 24, verses 16 through 20. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. After that abomination of desolation, let him who's on the housetop not go down, take anything out of his house, and let him who's in the field not go back and get his clothes. But woe, woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. We know Jesus was speaking about global calamity at the end of the age because of the dozens of reasons in the chapter. Speaking as a true Hebrew prophet, the Lord was using a contemporary event, the future 70 AD destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans to shed light on a great end time event much in the future, although not so future for you and me. Those two days of Hosea 6, 2,000 years, some of you know about that, are seemingly right around the corner. There's nothing new about the now but not yet a Bible prophecy. 
Keep in mind, Isaiah spoke of an Assyrian invasion in his day, as did Joel, a Babylonian invasion in his. Jesus is using a coming Roman invasion of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., as a prototype of the great siege of Jerusalem that would come at the end of the age. Not an either-or, but a both. One that would come sooner, and one that would come later, much later. The Great Tribulation, Jesus says it this way, verses 21 and 22, For then there will be great tribulation, when? After the abomination of desolation, a tribulation such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But, listen to this, for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. A quick review here. Verse 14. Gospel preached in all the world, and then the end will come. Verse 15. When you see the abomination of desolation, you better understand what's going on. And verse 16, then you better get out of Jerusalem post haste. Don't hang around. And now the warning of all warnings in verse 21. Then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. So here's my question. Is there any doubt the Son of God is not trying to sneak up on us and say, Boom, I gotcha? I don't think so. The Lord in His mercy clearly sets a number of timing indicators strategically in place to give ample warning of what is about to take place and when it's about to take place just before He comes in the clouds. The Great Tribulation will be the most difficult time in history for Israel and the Church and the nations. Tribulation against the saints from the Antichrist because they refuse to worship Him and the nations because of the World Economic Forum will see to it that the nations are very happy with the new government and economic system that's been put in place. But Bible-believing, prophetically-minded children of God are shouting from the rooftops, not so fast, echoing the words of Jesus, do not be deceived. John wrote of the Great Tribulation in Revelation chapter 7, Who are these? Who are these that are arrayed in white robes, and, and, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and wash their robes. That, my friend, speaks of martyrdom. And listen to Moses. Listen to his take on the great tribulation back in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him when you're in distress, and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord, he will not forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. Jeremiah prophesied in chapter 30, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It's the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Listen, the Messiah will return, and a remnant will be spared. 
But you know something else? God never, he's never fully satisfied with just a remnant. That's why the church will be raised up for the occasion, having the prophetic word for the covenant nation and the world. The Great Tribulation is a distinctive time frame. One event, many activities. The abomination of desolation, Jacob's trouble, Satan gives Antichrist unprecedented authority. Two-thirds of Jews in Israel will perish. In Ezekiel, pockets of mercy are raised up around the world, including geographic places of mercy for Jews fleeing throughout the world. And the church is removed. The blast of the seventh trumpet, the rapture, the second coming, and then the end will come. Here's how Jesus describes the end to his disciples. Verse 27, For as lightning comes from the east, flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man, immediately after the tribulation of those days. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then, then, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then, all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and, and they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And how important are these words? And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they'll gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Do, do, do you see any significant pattern here? When these things then many false prophets, and, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see, for, for then there will be great tribulation. Then, if anyone says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, then the sign of the Son of Man. Any pattern or sequence here uh, that might even hint of warnings or timing indicators? You know, I, I'm afraid many pastors and church leaders today are, are finding a lot of important things to address from their pulpits these days, but, but are failing to recognize and address the season we're in and prepare precious souls for the great and terrible day ahead. Let's pray. Father, we know your set times are absolutes. We also know you require your church to be sober-minded and awake, a voice in the earth in the most critical time in history. Father, Jesus, we ask you to shake your church, that a spirit of intercession would rise up and overtake us, prayer of a prophetic kind in the boldness of your Holy Spirit that would call those things that are not as though they were, a church of such spiritual intimacy and giftings, we would possess words of wisdom, words of knowledge in the, in the confusing days ahead. Let signs and wonders flourish on the earth through your church. Father, save your people. Mark them. Mark them for your kingdom and privilege us with the grace to lead them to the feet of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Subscribe, beloved, and spread the word now more than ever. And Maranatha, 
I'm Bill Nordstrom.